Warning. The following podcast contains descriptions of events that may be too intense for younger listeners. Oh, and coughing. Lots of coughing. You cannot see it. You cannot hear it. But you know it is there. Watching. Waiting. Until the time is right. For you to face your fear and listen to the Deep Dive Podcast Horror Month 2022. (laughs) Hello, divers. Welcome back. I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wank Shop Movie Magazine, and joining me here uh, via a quarantined area... And a secret satellite uplink is my co-host, the magnificent and uh, medically under Mandalorian. Hello, Manda. Hello. Oh my goodness. Not even even, uh, COVID could keep me away from Halloween Horror Month. Wow. You know, we we first of all we appreciate your your willingness to go forward, and also your willingness to not be here and infect the rest of us. So we do appreciate that, and in the uh, in the spirit, no pun intended, uh, of you know of the season, I'm going to uh, give Manda's voice a break, and uh, you know try to limit, you know, or the strain on on her vocal cords. Is that if that's okay? So that's really uh, great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it is week three of Halloween Horror Month, and this week. We are digging into, pun intended, scary uh, uh. cemeteries and frightful funeral homes. Now, there is nothing creepier than a deathly quiet cemetery at night where every sound, the rustle of leaves, the wind whistling through the trees can make you jump. Now, graveyards are not necessarily places we actually want to go. When, you know, we go and a loved one passes sometimes to return and visit their graves on certain occasions. They are places meant to be peaceful, where those who have moved on can rest for eternity. But what do we really know about these places? Well, you're in luck, because I have some interesting facts to share. Are you ready? No way. I'm ready. So, first off... A quick question. What is the difference between a graveyard and a cemetery? Oh, I think I know this. That one of them has a consecrated ground? Maybe? Abs- yes, absolutely. So a graveyard has to be near a church on consecrated ground, whereas the cemetery does not. So now hmm. you know that. Also, some cultures believe that placing a tombstone on the grave keeps the ghosts weighed down. I'm not making that up. <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the reasons that we have the word tombstone, which is kind of strange. <laughs> now, also the fear of someone being buried alive led coffin makers to design caskets with an internal chain attached to a bell on the grave. If the person should wake up, they would pull the bell to alert people to their premature burial. I 
haven't found any instances of that actually happening. But what? It's true. And that's where the saying, for whom the bell tolls, comes from. No. Yep. And sometimes, before burial, the bell would be attached to the corpse itself in case it decided to wander away. Uh, now, keep that fun fact in mind, because that's going to come in handy for my second pick. All right? Another fun <laughs> fact. Right. Another fun fact for you. Here's a question. Do you know the difference between a coffin and a casket? Handles? Nope. Shape? Yes, the shape. A coffin is wider at the shoulders and narrower at the head and feet. A casket is purely rectangular. How about that? Huh. Yep. And there is a, a certain kind of, of person that is obsessed with graveyards. And they are called taphophiles. And that comes from the Greek word taphos, meaning grave. How about that? Huh. So now Greek? you are filled with this amazing knowledge that you may do nothing with if you choose. <laughs> How about that? Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Amanda. Oh, she's like, please leave me alone. Stop talking to me. Why are you doing this? Uh, so it, once again, in the spirit of, of giving Amanda a break, I'm going to go ahead with my first pick. Ooh. So my first pick has one of the greatest titles for a horror movie of all time. Its director would go on to make two of the most unforgettable Christmas movies in cinema history and they're both unforgettable for different reasons my pick is the 1972 bag of weirdness children shouldn't play with dead things this is Alan he's such a dear boy Oh, this is Jeffy. He's so full of fun. Oh, this is Anya. Isn't she just the sweetest thing? And this is their new friend, Smedley. They're giving him a party. It's his coming out party. Oh, the children are having such fun. They're laughing and laughing. And it all began here. One foggy winter's evening. July 1971. Oh. He ought to be right. <laughs> oh, yes. They had such a wonderful time. They laughed and laughed and laughed. That is, until all those friends dropped in. Then they screamed and screamed. <laughs> Oh, yes, the children had such a lovely time. It's too bad nobody ever told them children shouldn't play with dead things. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Um, that was probably the best intro I've heard in a long time. <laughs> Yeah, and the that particular uh, clip, the movie trip from the movie trailer is is much better than the movie itself, uh, sadly. Uh, <laughs> so children shouldn't play with dead things. Now, 
the so-called plot uh, revolves around the young members of a sort of a this kind of burnout hippie theater troupe, and all of them are these like pretentious, narcissistic, self-important, creative types, you know, like myself, uh, and they uh, arrive by boat on this like heavily wooded island that was once home to a resort for the wealthy, but it's now a uh, like a pauper's cemetery where the homeless, the unidentified, and the indigent are now buried. So the leader of this group, who is a, the extra douchey Alan, has a great <laughs> idea. He and his little troop are going to perform a black magic ritual on the island with the intention of reanimating the dead. Because why not? As you do. Yeah, as you do. Turns out the whole thing is a nasty prank involving digging up a genuine corpse for a fake ceremony. Now, not one to miss an opportunity, Alan brings the body back to the resort as the guest of honor at an impromptu party. One member of this performing troupe, Anya, believes that desecrating the corpse is a quote-unquote bad idea. So she may be onto something when bodies begin crawling out of their graves and go after everybody else. So by this point, you hate the living people so much, especially Alan, who is such a creep, you are actively rooting for the zombies. So there's that. Now, basically all of the action takes place during the last 20 minutes of an only 85-minute movie. And that's when the first zombies actually show up. And, you know, the first hour of this film is slow. It's very amateurish and kind of nihilistic in an early 70s kind of way. There's really nobody likable here. Um, now, you can kind of tell from the movie, it was, it was certainly made to kind of uh, play off of Night of the Living Dead. Uh, it's hmm. a total rip-off, rip off, and it's got that kind of counterculture spin on it. Um, I mean, they could have very easily called it Night of the Stupid Hippie Actors, um, <laughs> which I think would have been pretty cool, but, you know, eh, whatever. Uh, but still, still, there are flashes of greatness here, mostly in the opening and closing minutes. The acting is um, there uh, in that way that bad actors trying to show they are good actors overact in a really bad way. That's not confusing. <laughs> so uh, now I mentioned the director uh, and his name is Bob Clark. And oh. as I also said, he is best known for two classic holiday films. The first the Christmas one, story. A Christmas story is one of them. Yes. And the other one is an early slasher called black Christmas. So, oh. Yeah, you know, he got better as a director, which is great. So, yeah, and by the way, I don't know if you've seen this, but speaking of Christmas Story, uh, there, oh, there, yeah. it's, it's coming back. Oh, little, yeah. Little Ralphie is back. I think it's a Christmas Christmas Story or something like that. So, And I, I have seen people who are super excited and also people who are not at all. Well, I'm, I, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic about that. Um, I'll, I'll tell you why, because back, uh, back in the 1990s, way back in the 1990s, I had, uh, you know, I, I had an opportunity to, so hang out for a while with Peter Billingsley, who was Ralphie. 
And oh, wow. Yeah, a great guy. You know, he's now, I mean, he's a movie producer now. And he's been that for a long time. He uh, actually was one of the producers on Elf. He's in the movie, too, which is kind of cool. Um, he's one of the elves helping out Buddy at the beginning of the movie. Um, so that's, uh, he's a good guy. And I don't know if he would actually do a, a, a sequel unless it was something that he thought was a worthwhile project. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And hopefully it'll be, it'll be good. So there you go. That's fair. Yeah. Now, for the scores, the Internet Movie Database gives Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things, a rather lifeless 5.3 out of 10. <laughs> and Rotten Tomatoes gives it a rather anemic 38% on its tomato matar, to, to meet, to whatever. You know what I mean. Now, if you want to see this, and why would you really? It can be rented for the low, low price of 99 cents on Prime Video. Or if you don't even want to spend a mere dollar, you can get it for free, although ad-supported, on Tubi. So there you go. Children shouldn't play with dead things. Oh, very good. Yes, 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 yes. So uh -huh. do, you, do you feel okay enough to... I do. I... Excuse me. I I had a few picks, but I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna do one. That's fair. After we we're, we're done here, I'm going straight to bed. <laughs> understood. Understood. Um. Okay. So my pick is uh it's it's a little bit outside of our our um category here, but it works in the sense that there's lots of digging and digging around a house where people have been buried. So, I mean, I guess kind of like it, right? It's kind of like it. Okay. Um, first, I'll give you the, the title. The movie is called The Lurking Fear. came out in 1994, and it it's funny because it's, quote, loosely based on the same – uh, the short story of the same name by H.P. Lovecraft, which was the first thing that drew my attention because I figured, well, it's got to be good. Yeah. It's an H.P. Lovecraft story. Sure. The producers of Reanimator and From Beyond take you to a town on the edge of madness. where people have become prey for an evil under the ground. These damn things have been living under our feet and tearing us apart for 20 years. A lurking fear that hides an unholy fortune. In that cemetery is buried a guy who is stuffed with money. This is your family legacy, kid. No. Don't even breathe. I don't know what you people got going on here. As soon as we blow the cemetery, you can walk away. Criminals have come to dig for treasure. Well, I'll make uh, all of this very easy for you. I'm just here for the money. In a cemetery of the damned. And hell has risen. 
to hunt them. It's starting. H.P. Lovecraft's The Lurking Fear. Turns out the the story itself is not that great, but it's good because it, it's not. Tra- he he was good at non traditional fear, right? So nothing jumps out at you. There's no giant chainsaws or anything, but it's it's a thing in the back of your mind that makes it creepy. I.e., that lurking fear, right? Ah, so the title, the title, yeah. So the the basic the basic plot of this is. There's this town that's ravaged by um, occurrences. People are getting unalived in weird ways, and they're showing up all over the place. And then this gruesome. There's some grossness that happens, but <clears throat> these people decide that, as as they always are, there's a group of people that want to re- come to this place to determine the cause of it. Right? They're mm-hmm. they're going to be the ones to figure it all out. Yep. Um, and that's kind of where the the similarities to the Lovecraft side of it end. But essentially, um, they find that the creepy house, which is sitting on top of all this land, um, used to belong to this one family called the Martens family. Uh, and they were kind of like, oddballs they kept to themselves they were eventually shunned by their people and we're talking like you know sort of hundred years before the, the the movie starts and um everything always happens at night but the, the crazy thing is that you never really see how these people get un- unalived right mm-hmm. like there's just noises that happen or someone comes out of frame or mm-hmm. you know it's, it's things like that it's not like overtly gory right. which is interesting but eventually you come to find out that there's there's this underground catacomb of like tunnels that these creatures, whatever it is, are building, right? And that's how they're getting from that area under the house, which is their hub to like areas in the town and whatnot. Um, and the the lurking fear kind of part of it is the fact that like this family was so involved in this whole film, in the whole H. Crap, H. P. Lovecraft, like just uh, not play, but short story, uh, um, and they're kind of just yeah. So I mentioned they kept themselves right. Well, they also kept very familiar with themselves. I.e., lots of inbreeding Ooh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and generations that came and went and just came and went and yeah. So essentially, they they inbred themselves so low to the to the point where they became you know giant creatures with bulging protruding white balls of eyes and it's just it's gross it's, that's what it's happened not. kids you know you gotta be careful <laughs> this is why you don't do that yeah um but yeah it's it, it's gross it's just really gross but the reason why i thought it made sense is because of the the underground network and it reminded me that uh speaking of like graves the graveyards and cemeteries is that underneath must be a giant network of like all of these people's graves and it kind of just makes you wonder how it doesn't like cave in on itself you know (laughs) kind of weird i know yeah but anyways i I really think you should check it out because it's again one of those movies where the fear is not is is not immediately known right what's causing your fear 
um, okay. which I, I always can can appreciate. Um, but it does seem like many people don't because its IMDb score was only a 4.5. Ouch. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit low. Okay. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes doesn't give it any much better, and I don't even think it had a Metacritic score. Wow. But what's interesting is that it's available in so many different places right now, including Tubi and Vudu and the Roku channel and Freevee app, and uh, which I think is actually Prime Video, um, but without a subscription. Hmm. So it's it's kind of coming around for the Halloween season. You know what it reminds me of what? is um, the Stephen King movie, The Sleepers. Oh, you mean Sleepwalkers. Um, Sleepwalkers, yeah. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that movie is terrifying, and I'll never watch it ever again. Uh. Once was enough. <laughs> um, I think I mentioned it last Halloween Horror Month last year that like it has definitely terrified me, and I uh, it was just a bad decision to watch that. Mm, but yes. anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, in particular, one last thing in particular about uh, this H.P. Lovecraft um, short story is that it's one of the, one of the few that have. Uh, adaptations in most um, or in many um, forms of entertainment including movies there's like four film adaptations uh, including Bleeders it's an um, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Um, that one's creepy too but it also has uh, dark manga graphic novels it even has a musical collection Wow! someone wrote, wrote songs about it yeah and there's also something called a radio drama, which I think is kind of like, you know, when they would read stories over the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, cool. anyways, that's my pick. And, uh, I think you should check it out cause it's creepy, but it's a good kind of creepy. All right. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. I like that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Take so it away. What was the, what was the name of it again? The lurking fear. The lurking fear. Ooh. All right. Cool. Specifically the 1994 version. 1994 version. All right. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So now are you ready for some more fun facts? I'm ready. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about funeral homes and what we what do we really know about what goes on there? So when I say fun facts, by the way, I don't know how fun these are because they're kind of gross, but you can't spell funeral without F-U-N. So there we go. <laughs> Now, perhaps the most mysterious and frankly disgusting aspect of the whole burial process is embalming. So that's the procedure in which a body's blood and gases are emptied and replaced with fluids that slow the decomposition process. Sounds like fun. Now, the deceased body becomes very pale after being drained of blood, of course. So to look natural... For the funeral home viewing, the embalming fluid is tinted pink so that the deceased skin takes on a more natural color. Uh, What? Yeah. So another issue is rigor mortis, where the body becomes rigid uh, shortly after death. Now, in order to get the deceased into um, position, if you will, the mortician will give the body a nice massage. Ah, that's restful, isn't it? Then... Skin's all lotioned up nicely, nails are trimmed, hair is brushed. Then it starts to get weird. You have to um, set the facial features. So the mortician must use cotton balls in the nose, below the eyelids, uh, in the mouth, 
And then um, cotton gauze is placed in the throat to absorb any pesky purging fluids. Um, yeah, the mouth is then uh, sewn shut and glue may be used to keep the eyelids or the lips closed. Uh, then, you know, some nice makeup touches for that lifelike glow. And there you go. There you have it. Fun. And you wonder why, yeah. you know, there, there, there's a, there's a job shortage for uh, morticians, I think. Uh, huh. Oh, all right. Now on that fun note, let's go to my second pick. So my second pick is a more recent film and one that, uh, t at least to my mind, seems to have fallen through the cracks and into partial obscurity, which is a shame because it is a terrific little thriller with a great cast and story. So it is the 2016 film, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Um, it has Emil Hirsch, who was in Speed Racer. Oh. Uh, and the always incredible Brian Cox, who, uh, you know, Love he's one of, one of those actors you know. You may not know his name, but you know him. And he's also a McDonald's guy. But -dum -bum -bum -bum. He does, he he's the voice of that, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Um, so uh, he plays, Brian Cox plays Tommy Tilden, who is a small town coroner who works alongside his son, Austin, in a funeral home. Now, the local sheriff brings them the body of an unidentified young woman who was found at the scene of a rather confusing multiple homicide. Clues to what happened are very scarce, so the sheriff wants to have this Jane Doe's body autopsied ASAP. But this turns out to be a very unusual autopsy. So no obvious trauma is visible and rigor mortis has not set in. But the, as the procedure gets underway, some bizarre things are uncovered. This is not what I was expecting. Can I see one? No, no. What's that for? Make sure he's dead. Sheriff, what happened? No ID, no fingerprints in the system. For now, she's a Jane Doe. He needs my help right now. 11 o'clock, I'm all yours. Subject is in her mid to late 20s. Hair, brown. Eyes, gray. First, they bound her, then they ripped out her tongue, poisoned her, paralyzed her, forced her to swallow the cloth. Where is that? Ah, <laughs> uh, there we go. Fun, huh? Sounds great. Yeah. So, so as you as you heard, 
first of all, if you listen carefully in there, the, that there's the little bell that you hear, the little ringing of the bell in that trailer. That's what I was talking about earlier with putting the bell on the person to see, you know, uh, to make sure that they wander away, you can find them. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that's what happens here. So the uh, things that, that are wrong with the body, for example, uh, as, as you may have heard, her wrists and ankles are broken. Her tongue was crudely cut out. Uh, a tooth is missing, but later found inside her stomach wrapped in a cloth. The cloth has very weird markings on it. And her lungs are burnt from the inside with no burns on the body. And it gets worse from there. As Tommy and Austin try to piece together what is going on with their Jane Doe, weird things begin to happen around them, as if someone doesn't want them to perform the autopsy. And that someone may be Jane Doe herself. So the question remains, is Jane Doe really dead? And even if she were alive, how could she survive being opened up as part of the autopsy itself? So everything seems to suggest that Jane Doe's body has been around for a long time, a very long time, perhaps even centuries, waiting. Now, waiting for what? Well, you'll have to see it to find out, but let's just say that her internal injuries seem to line up with what was done to witches during the Salem witch trials. Yeah, so in the end, sacrifices must be made, but who will be chosen to give up their lives so that Jane Doe may live once again? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, this is a really fun, creepy, atmospheric film that benefits from the performances of its leads. Everybody's top-notch. Now, with lesser actors here, this could have been just another cheapo, forgettable film, but everybody does an amazing job. Uh, It was directed by the guy who did Troll Hunter back in 2010. Uh, He's a Norwegian director, Andre Ovradal. And, you know, I never hear anybody talking about this film. And that is a shame because it is so good. It, it is, like, so freaky. You don't know what's going on, but then you start to figure things out at the same time as the, 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 the two guys are trying to figure things out. And it gets to the point where you're like, okay, nothing is what it appears to be. What the heck is going on? Who is this girl? Why does she, why does she look completely untouched uh, if she's, you know, been there for a very long time? And it's got some good jump scares. And it's just a fun film overall. So uh, I really highly recommend the, the autopsy of Jane Doe. So let's get to the scores now. And what we've got is a very lively 6.8 out of 10 on the Internet Movie Database and a flash, I mean fresh 86% score on Rotten Tomatoes, Tomato Meter. Which is really good. Now, if you feel like you want to dig into the autopsy of Jane Doe, haha, you can find it to rent for $3.99 on Apple TV. And it is a, I, for a Halloween night viewing, 
it's good to turn off the lights, settle down and, and enjoy a fun, uh, a fun movie that you really don't know, you know, for, it's not one of those you can guess and like, oh my God, I know this, the answer to this right away. No, it keeps you guessing, which, you know, is certainly more than a lot of films these days can do. So there you have it. The autopsy of Jane Doe. There you go. Oh, very good. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Now, did you happen to have, well, you said you only did want to do one pick. What was just, what was the second one that you were going to do? Uh, well, I, I figured we would keep it, I almost said local, but keep it traditional. And I was going to do Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. Yes. Well, that was going to be one of my honorable mentions. Um, yeah. Cause you have, first we had the original Pet Cemetery, uh, mm-hmm. which they remade. Uh, you had Pet Cemetery 2, and yeah. uh, there was uh, the League of Super Pet Cemetery with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, that was <laughs> a good one. Um, hmm, let's see. Oh, but uh, I had I did have a couple of other honorable mentions. Oh, yeah. uh, I had uh, uh, Phantasm, which oh. takes place in you know a lot of the uh, a lot of it takes place in a funeral home, a mortuary. Um, with mm-hmm. the you know the creepy tall man and the flying spheres and all that fun stuff, uh, and there are many sequels to Phantasm, and most of them are terrible. Um, there was another uh, another film, eighties film called Funeral Home, which was really good, very creepy little thing, and Return of the Living Dead, which uh, a lot of that takes place uh, at a funeral home too, and that's Return of the Living Dead is of course uh, a horror comedy. That if you are any fan of horror whatsoever, you have to see this film because it is amazing. Return of the Living Dead. So a few uh, honorable mentions there as well. So, yeah. So that. Uh, I, I think I've seen guys. Phantasm 2. Phanta- seeing- Phantasm 2. Yeah, I like Phantasm 2, actually. I just remember there being like a super tall guy. Yeah, the tall man that he's like the the big bad of the uh, the series. So yeah, he's uh, he's the, the actor uh, Angus Scrim. He's he's passed uh, mm. a while ago, but he he was awesome. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I I think people need to watch Pet Cemetery just for um, it, it's it's a good introduction to Stephen King. It is, and it and you know it's one of the creepiest things about that movie it has nothing to do with the pets or the cemetery. It's the uh, the lady with the um, the meningitis, the spinal meningitis. Oh, that yeah. creeped me out big time, you know. And oh. then of course, what happens to the little kid and all that, you know. I, from what I yeah. understand, Stephen King was in a really bad place when he wrote that, <laughs> which makes sense. He was kind of at a low point. Uh, okay. I mean, one could say that about many of his works, but yeah, I'll give you yeah. that. But I think you know, it's it's funny because a lot of some of his stuff is particularly nasty and some of it really isn't yeah. nasty and that one was nasty mm, yeah especially so, the book oh yeah Ugh. i mean that was yeah he was in a bad place when he did that obviously <laughs> but hey god bless stephen king you know what i mean he's a man and he's a local so there you go that's true yeah absolutely all right so uh i think maybe i should uh i should let you get some rest <laughs> yeah, I and, appreciate that. And hopefully, hopefully you will be uh uh in in shape for next week. Um, yes. So and we'll 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 keep next week's topic a secret for now. And we'll Yeah, it's 
We'll okay, figure that. Yeah, we'll 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 let you know about that. You can you can listen and we'll make it a little bit of a surprise for you. So, <laughs> if you like and if you haven't yet, please subscribe. Please give us a review. Check out our check out the links on our website deepdivepodcast.com. Uh, links to all of our media can be found on our Instagram bio. Uh, so just look for on Instagram the deep dive podcast because we want to know what you think. The feedback yeah. we get makes us better slightly uh, and keep sending us your suggestions and ideas. So we are very grateful that you are here with us listening. I am very grateful that Amanda was able to join us via secret satellite uplink, even though she, uh, you know, as, as you, as I'm sure you can tell, you know, is, is not, not good. Not good. Not good at all. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a thing. It's a thing. But it sucks. Get, get your COVID shots because this could have been 10 times worse. Yes, yes. And watch out for that double reverse COVID, too. That gets you, too. So that's terrible. Ooh, yes, no get boosted, get vaxxed, and all that fun stuff. All right. So uh, before Amanda passes out, uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> On behalf of Amanda, I'm Tom Feeney. Don't forget to tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your local lycanthrope. Ooh. And we will catch you next time. All clips used in the Deep Dive podcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. Ha, 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 ha. The Deep Dive podcast is a production of Automaton Studios.